Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't want this illness to ruin four lives. It's enough that it's ruining one. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. Alongside me is my friend and producer of this program, Lisa Goich. Lisa, good to see you and glad to be doing another episode together. Always nice to see you, my friend. I was my in friend your Mitch Album. Very briefly sadly, for the memorial or celebration of life for Augie Nieto. I talked about Augie in last week's episode. Uh, He was the subject of last week's episode. True to form for Augie, who had ALS, uh, got it when he was in his late 40s, and it derailed a life of, uh, well, real luxury, high-flying business, uh, success, uh, happy family, uh, all the toys he could want, uh, cigar smoking, hard driving, profit making businessman, all of a sudden reduced very quickly to a wheelchair and uh, had to learn about life kind of all over again. And he did. And boy, did he learn and, and did he teach because he lived 18 years with mm. Lou Gehrig's disease, which is uh, it's almost unheard it's- of. Is that a record? I mean, well, it seems like most know, people, people are like two, yeah, three years. Most people are about two years. Uh, usually you've already had it for a year before you actually get diagnosed. And uh, they say it's between like three and five years of a run. So Augie fought the odds. He beat everybody. And, and uh, for 18 years, just was, was remarkable. And uh, true to form, he had asked that... Uh, people not have some kind of big funeral service or anything like that. He wanted a party. He wanted there to be margaritas and, uh, nice. and there were, and there were, <laughs> uh, there were, and there are a lot of people telling great stories about Augie. And I was honored to be asked to speak at the, uh, at the event. And it was, uh, it was really quite, quite something. If you don't mind, uh, I'm going to share what I read at that, that event, I don't think that I, the family would mind. I think they, they might actually uh, appreciate it. And I want to share with you what I had to say uh, for Augie at the, at the end of Augie's life. So I was asked to uh, speak, and I'll, I'll just share this with you. Sometimes when referring to special people, we use the phrase larger than life. But no human being is actually larger than life, since if they are alive, then life is as big as they are. I do believe, however, that some people are larger than death, and Augie Nieto was one of them. First, after learning that he had ALS, he tried to join death, but he was too big for it. Then, as he fought ALS, he held off death for 18 years. He passed all his expiration dates, 
much to death's surprise. Finally, when he succumbed to ALS last week, he did the most amazing thing. He jumped over death altogether. Because death is supposed to be the end of something, but Augie didn't end. Look, you can see him now in your mind's eye, weightlifting or water skiing or marrying Lynn. Look, you can see him over there after his diagnosis, typing dirty jokes with his trackpad and his toe, (laughs) greeting you from his wheelchair with the smallest of motions, raising his eyebrows or curling the corner of his lip. Listen, you can still hear him. When his voice was working normally and he was barking business advice, and later when he used a computerized voice to brag about a new development by his Augie's Quest team. Read. You can still read him in the book that he authored, in the emails that you saved, in his final message that we all received with tears in our eyes last week, keep me in your heart. If you can see someone, if you can hear someone, if you can read someone, then how can they be gone? And Augie is not gone. He's just gone someplace else. Augie and I met through ALS. He had just contracted it, and I had written a book about it called Tuesdays with Maury. He had asked through a mutual friend if I could sign a copy, and since I was in town, I said, well, why don't I just bring one over? I wish I could say I did that for everyone, but I don't. So I wonder what angel whispered that idea in my ear. Whatever it was, like so many here in this room, I consider my first encounter with Augie the lucky start of something much, much bigger. And there were always big moments with Augie Nieto. The bashes, the celebrations, the boat trip a visit from the Stanley Cup. He wrote a book by traveling around the country in his wheelchair to interview 30 inspiring people. He created a company based on a never heard of idea to develop a single product, a cure for a disease. He raised nearly $200 million. He had a song written about him. But I will always cherish the smallest moments, just sitting alongside him in his living room, the Pacific Ocean out in front of us, holding his perfectly manicured hand and telling him he was my hero and seeing tears ball up in the corner of his eyes. I've observed as I've I've gotten older that the most meaningful lives seem to have a good dose of irony, and Augie's had plenty. Here was a guy who was all about the body, yet he got hit with a disease that leaves only the brain. Here was a guy who, in his youthful success, thought he could do it all by himself and then was forced to learn that life is a collaborative experience. Here was a guy who ferociously chased after the things that he wanted, but did the most in his life with the thing he wanted the least. As he sat down, he stood his tallest. As he stopped moving, he began moving mountains. As he lost his voice, he found it. And as he came to need love, he found the best way to give it by inspiring those who might think about giving up to look at him and say, how can I give up when he doesn't? In my final visits with Maury Schwartz, who had ALS like Augie, he asked me to come visit him in his grave after he died. I said I would. He said not the way others do, dropping flowers or leaving the car engine running. Plan to spend some time, bring a blanket, bring sandwiches, and talk to me about your life, about what's going on in the world. I said, wait, you want me to come to a cemetery, have a picnic at your tombstone, and talk to the air? He said, exactly, just like we're talking now. And I said, 
Well, Maury, it's not going to be like we're talking now because, let's face it, you won't be able to talk back. And he looked at me as if I were being very naive, and he said, Well, Mitch, I'll make you a deal. After I die, you talk, I'll listen. That's not just a funny line. That's a prescription for life after death. Because if you lead your life as Augie did, striving for others, touching others, giving to others, drawing others in, then when you die, you are not completely gone. And people can talk to you, not because they believe in ghosts or seances, but because you spent time giving yourself away to them. You put yourself inside them so they can hear you after you're gone. When Augie wrote, keep me in your heart, in his final email, that's what he meant. He didn't write, put me in your heart, because he's already there. But keep him in your heart. And you can see him. You can hear him. You can read him. You can feel his manicured hand in yours anytime you want. He wasn't bigger than life, but he sure is bigger than death. And this gathering for our hero, Noah Augie Nieto, is a celebration not of what we lost, but what we were given. Thank you, Augie. That's sweet, Mitch. He would have loved that. Or maybe he did love it. Well, maybe he did. Well, after I finished speaking, I introduced Augie's wife, Lynn. And everybody who had spoken up to that point had referenced Lynn and had referenced how amazing she had been through the 18 years that they she would always say they had ALS together. Lynn would always introduce or talk about Augie and say, when we were diagnosed, when we were diagnosed, she looked at her role as a wife, as a partner in this disease. And, you know, they were married. It was a second marriage for both of them. So they were married a total of 28 years, I believe. And, you know, they got 10 and then the other 18 were with ALS. And yet Lynn said, you know, everyone thinks I got a raw deal. Or, you know, look at how much of your marriage you spent when Augie couldn't move, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. Uh, but she said that was the richest time and the chance to be his partner in the effort to try to stop ALS Aww. was the biggest honor of her life. Now, it occurred to me that you know, I found myself saying to my wife, Janine, who was there with me, isn't she just amazing? Isn't she just exceptional? And she is. But the truth is, I've met so many people who are taking care of people who have diseases like ALS or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or any one of a number of debilitating diseases that are not taking people as if they were hit by a truck, but taking them slowly over months, over years, over decades sometimes. And they are all amazing. And I want to just salute all the people who do that in this world, who might be listening to this podcast, maybe for a little relief or a little shared experience you are the most incredible people in the world and angels. The most, yeah. The most uncelebrated. 
mm-hmm. as angels often are. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Know that, as Augie said endlessly, I would not have survived this disease if not for my wife, Lynn. And she never gave him a medication. She never performed the surgery on him. But she allowed him to survive because she saw him, not just the things that she did for him, but she saw him as worthy. I think when people get sick, they sometimes feel, and you know, we, we all know this, there are a lot of people just kind of burrow themselves away when they get sick, especially when they get a really serious thing. They don't want anybody yeah. around them. Mm-mm. They're they're embarrassed to a certain degree, or they don't want to be a burden. Or and, and it's you know sometimes that sounds very noble. Oh, I don't want to be a burden. But sometimes it's it's just like that's not who I want to be in life. I don't want to be the person who says, "Can you wipe that up? Can you can, can you lift this up for me? Can you carry me here? Uh, I, I can't do that." They don't want to be weak and needy in front of their friends or their loved ones. And so they push people away. And it's rare to find the person who welcomes somebody in, but then also recognizes that without them, they they would never be able to do it. And the caregivers out there, be they wives or husbands, sons or daughters, mothers or fathers, relatives or just friends what drives you to take care of the people in your life who need you with diseases that suck every minute out of the day that suck every phone call that you know you just think you're sitting down and here comes another phone call i got to get over to such and such's house they're having trouble with this the the ventilator is not working the the, the, the oxygen isn't working, the feeding tube isn't working, the nurse didn't show up, the hospice person didn't show up, somebody needs a shift change, she fell down, he fell down. All these calls that I'm sure many of you who are listening have received with messages like that, quick, come over, we got to take care of something, and it doesn't stop. No. And you can find yourself 
fighting against the impulse to say, God, I, you know, I wish this was over. But then I don't wish this was over because I don't want my loved one to be gone. It's such and a tough yin and yang. Yeah, there's immense guilt with that too. I mean, I know a lot of caregiver friends of mine that have that same thing where you get angry. You get angry at your loved one. You get angry at the situation, um, you know, and then you just feel immense guilt for feeling the feelings that you feel during right. this really Which difficult- Which are only human. They're yeah. absolutely only human feelings. Yeah. And yet you're right. People feel guilty about them. And it's, it's thankless- but it needs to be recognized. It really needs to be recognized. And, you know, I talked to Maury about this a lot. Maury did not want to be in a hospital. He wanted to be home. He wanted people taking care of him in his home. He pulled no punches about it. Listen. I'm not going to the hospital. I can possibly avoid it. From my point of view, that's a place to die, not to get well. It's... Hospitals these days are horrendous. They cut personnel. People are giving and doing things they're not very, very well trained for. All kinds of diseases from other people are floating around that people are catching. The doctors are indifferent, by and large. Every once in a while, you'll find a rare nurse who cares. If I went into the hospital, I would have a 24-hour caretaker there. Never mind, depending on the nurses. But uh, as long as I can avoid it, I'm going to stay out. I know a lot of people feel that way. My dad felt exactly that way when he was dying. And it's a long story, and I won't get into it, but he unfortunately was not afforded that opportunity. Hmm. Maury also um, understood that this role was thankless. And that people needed a break. And that's another thing that people who, who do this, who caretake, they not only are thankless uh, and then work incredible hours, not asking for any credit or whatever, but they, they don't quit. They just keep <laughs> going and they, and they feel guilty if they go home for an hour, if they shut it off for an hour. And Maury understood that he didn't have the right to expect that from somebody. And he didn't, he didn't look at it that way. I asked him, uh, you know, well, don't you expect your family to take care of you? Given that when you were all younger, you took care of them. Here's what he said. Well, if I expected it, it would be a fair payback. Why don't you expect it? Because I don't want this illness to ruin four lives. It's enough that it's ruining one. Mm. And that is me and my body. If I made that demand, Rob, come back from your job. John, quit your job. Charlotte, quit your job. Stay here and take care of me. I would feel that this illness had really conquered four times as much. Mm-hmm. And since I don't need it, in terms of we have the resources, other people help us out, mm-hmm. then I get the love and affection of my family, yeah. which is much more important. That That's a big statement for someone to make who has something like ALS, because it's mm-hmm. easy to just sort of say, look, 
I'm the one with ALS. I'm the one with cancer. I'm the one with, you know, Alzheimer's. I'm the one with Parkinson's. So yeah, you're supposed to take care of me. But in a real loving relationship, even the patient understands that it can't be 24-7. You need a break. Everybody needs a break. And those of you who are doing it 24-7, find a way to take a break. Lynn always, you know, as, as much as she was by Augie's side every minute, but there were some times when she would just go away to be with her, her kids or her grandkids and just take a little mental break from it. And she wouldn't go away for very long, you know, a couple of days, but take a mental break so that she could come back and fight again. It's, it's the old thing about putting the oxygen mask on your kid first. And then, you know, and then you, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to self-preserve. And those yes. of you who are caretaking, caretake yourself as well. Absolutely. Right? What, you're, what you're going through is not the disease itself, but it is an adjunct of the disease. And it is, in many cases, as life-sucking and as draining as the actual disease itself. And Absolutely. you need to combat that. You know, you wouldn't say to the patient, don't take your medication don't take your nap, don't see your doctor, you would encourage the patient to do all those things. Well, when life is telling you, take your medication, go see your doctor, take a break, whatever, why are you not subject to those rules? Why are you like, no, I can't take a break. No, I can't see the doctor. No, I can't take medication. No, I can't. I got to be here every minute. You know, sometimes people turn it into like a cause for, for their existence. And that's a dangerous thing because if the person dies, where's the cause for your existence? That, and that happens to so many people. I know people that's happened to once the person dies, they literally, especially if they've taken care of people for eight years, nine years, something like that, they don't know what to do now. Most often they've quit their jobs. They've just stayed at home. That's become their life. And when they don't have that person to care for anymore, then what? You know, you have to, I think, keep touch with life, your life, while you're going through this so you don't lose that along the way as well. Correct. And don't feel uh, guilty about, you know, keeping the, the embers burning in that life and yeah. sustaining that life that may be outside of the, of the room, the bedroom or the den or wherever your loved one is, the hospital room. Um, it's all right to counterbalance your life. You're already doing the most thankless thing, and and it is thankless. So, I didn't, I didn't want to put a, a ribbon on the, you know, whole Augie experience without sharing that. Those comments with you and the fact that there were plenty of margaritas uh, mm, to be had. That's nice. A lot of beautiful pictures of Augie that they showed on the screen. But I also that's a nice way to, to wrap that, it up, you know. But I also wanted to say that. People like Lynn Nieto, they deserve an incredible amount of, of respect. Uh, they show an incredible amount of courage and perseverance, and they are inspiring in terms of you know what a love story really looks like, and and people who who are caregivers to their loved ones, especially, really do inspire all of us. But there is a self uh, care a self-care avenue in 
being a caretaker for somebody that you have to try to make sure that you take care of yourself as well. Absolutely. Yeah, very important. So please keep that in mind. Uh, Please keep Augie Nieto in your prayers and go and make a contribution to find a cure for ALS at augiesquest.org because it's uh, it's a fantastic organization. And they have made huge progress in developing drugs and everything to try to um, find a cure for ALS. So we're hopeful that it'll happen. We really are. And uh, we will be here next week with another edition of the show on a different topic. Until then, Lisa Goyce, thank you for putting the show together. Thank you, Mitch, for a great, um, that was really beautiful speech, by the way, that you gave for, for thank him. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you can find out more about our podcast at wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. Until we talk again, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, We're Tuesday people.